Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly. The presentation for for the Friday for the training that I'm doing with uh, with uh, IT cluster, mm-hmm. and uh, I have zero zero concentration to do that. So maybe tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some days it just like it it, it doesn't. Everything seems to go the wrong way. I've had a few of those. Yeah, I last mean, it was the day just for the for the conversation and, and, and verbal plans. Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, How are you, what's going on? Not much. Um, just, I'm tired, dude. Uh, I've had a few, last couple of weeks, I'm, I, I don't know what's happening, but I'm, I, I guess it's like the summer as well. Like the summer makes things um, a little bit harder for, for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I feel like I need like a vacation or something. Cause right now it just, uh, a bit exhausting to be honest. Yeah. At least, at least three days you need to detach a bit. I mean, you look fresh yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Maybe you know what you do. I don't know. Cause, cause I'm fresh, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, man, it just, so what I've been doing is like having a little bit like, not off days, but like the days where I do something else. Uh, but but completely off days, I, I think from time to time are needed. Right? Yeah, like, definitely, uh, definitely. I mean, just uh, watching the, the river or the sea or whatever, or going to the mountains to watch the green environment, that's sometimes all it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... It's that plus like um, this quarantine. It it can be like a like like a shoebox that you get in, right? like where everything gets louder and the thoughts really don't go away. So like um, it, it magnifies mm-hmm. what you're feeling. So if you're feeling low with everything that's going on, I feel like you feel even lower uh, and. And the negative feelings kind of like resonate on this shoebox that we're stuck. Uh, and things like, I don't know, like not being able to go to the United States, then it, it gets bigger than what it really is when it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, you can easily get depressed over, over things. Yeah, uh, but things that are like kind of stupid, but because you're kind of... Hey, Bratislav, hope, you, hope you're doing well. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's been uh, not depressing, but 
definitely like rough some days and feeling like I'm, I'm just not, not feeling like working today or, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it happens. It happens. There's, okay, there's so, loads. Uh, I, I saw a few topics that we can talk about it and uh, I think you will love them both. The first yep. one is uh, what do you do when the prospect says the price is too high? I saw it yesterday on, on Facebook. I talked about it today uh, on LinkedIn and I want to hear your opinion about it. What do you do? Yeah, I, I think I saw your post um, and I agree mostly. So it, it depends of like where they say it's too high. If, if you're sending a proposal and they say it's too high, then you've done something wrong, I think, in my opinion. Um, if they say too high in the beginning of the conversation, then either it's not a good fit or you have not explained the value that you bring to the table. Um, but if they say later, so let's say if they say later, let's say you, you have the whole conversation, they agree, uh, you put together a proposal with a couple of packages, maybe uh, giving them a couple of options, which is something that I also do, I saw that you're doing as well. Um, <coughs> and you send it to them and they say the price is too high, then one, if, the, if it's true and they don't have the budget, then it's your mistake that you should have known that before. And, and if it's not true and they do have the budget, but they're telling you that it's an excuse, it's probably that you have not represented the value that they're gonna get out of. Um, so, so I think it's, it's easily one of the simplest objections to refute, I think, because if you're able to show why you, the body that you're getting is higher than the price, then that, that kind of doesn't exist. And if you've done the sales process right, you know that they have the budget before you send a proposal. Um, so, so that's something that I struggle with at the beginning. And I changed it and, and solved it by simply asking, do you have a budget in mind for this? Like uh, that simple question on, on the first call or second call, can, can really like shape the conversations moving forward. Yeah, um, totally agree. I, one thing I additionally do, I, um, when they fill in the Calendly on the, on the website, I have an option for them to choose like the budget. Hmm. If it is like from 500 to 2000 or from 1000 to 2000 or more than 2000. And right. by, by that information, I know how serious they are about what they want to invest in. And in another circumstances, I just had a call with, with, uh, with the customer who did that. So somebody called me directly, didn't schedule anything, didn't send me a message on LinkedIn, just call me directly. Yeah. And did they have your number or how did they get your number? No idea, probably on LinkedIn. <laughs> no idea, man. I was with, with my headphones and uh, the, or, on a meeting with a friend and the, the phone started to ring and I answered and I realized that I didn't, um, I didn't disconnect it uh, from the headphones. Yeah. So were, I, I hear the voice through the headphones and I just uh, switched it off and I said, now you can talk. <laughs> I didn't know who is calling, <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, anyway, uh, 
on the we we schedule a, a call and then on the call I asked them uh, about the budget they didn't know so I created uh, the offer with the three packages and today we had a call when I mean they want to they want to invest in marketing it's just the questions of uh, do they understand everything that's in the package right so I needed to go through each thing and explain because like the the lady who is uh, who was on the call was somebody who was in marketing like 10 years ago with mm. uh, with media buying television radio right those kind of things and she just needed to see the how new media are working yeah and basically we we decided to go with uh with like the first package without advertising without everything just to set up everything and to go slow so they can understand and what i loved is how uh, are they setting the goals basically this is well, maybe the first time that I'm seeing that somebody is coming and saying, okay, how do you measure things? How do you uh, consider who uh, is your content performing? Are we getting somewhere? Um, so she said like, we measure everything by getting calls or getting new clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she didn't have a clue how long is their sales cycle how long is uh the buyer's journey nothing she just knows when somebody comes in and uh like buys a service or or schedules a call yeah yeah, yeah. so i had to come up with the, with the average uh like sales cycle to use that uh that metric and to go to go from there but it's um it's good to see that people who are coming are actually once who knows uh, the value of the services they are going after. I mean, all the time they were saying like, we wanted to get to somebody who is professional and what he does. And that's why we went to you. Uh, and I think that's one of the most important things when, uh, when setting up the price is how do you educate people before they reach out to you? Do you create the, the demand that's right for your services? Right. Right, not going somebody uh, after price that like the freelancer can do, or something else. You need to uh, to be clear on what value are you delivering and how much you are charging for that. Makes sense. Uh, I that reminds me of um, like th that objection of like I, I don't know how much budget do we have or, or we don't have a clear budget. Uh, one of my mentors, whose name is Anthony Tombiolo, he ran a digital product innovation studio in New York, grew it to $4 million a year, um, and sold it last year. He's one of our uh, latest clients, and he now runs this community of agency owners, um, and he has this uh, course on agency finances. So he, he's somebody that like I, I've learned a lot from um, in, in this area. And I, when I asked him about how to answer when somebody says, I don't have a budget, budget what he told me or, or what he shared with me that he used to do is like put a number that's uh, really large 
and offer that as like a potential budget. So like, we don't have a budget. Okay, how about, would $5,000 a month work? And they say, oh no, then, then you do have a budget, right? So, so now you can like start lowering. Okay, would $2,000 a month work? Oh, uh, maybe, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Um, so, so that was one strategy that he shared with me. Obviously I'm paraphrasing and he explained it better than, than I'm explaining. But um, that was something that we that I learned from him in ways to like really understand what the budget actually people have because we do all have a budget, right? I, I think we all know a budget. We just don't want to share it because then we think that they're going to sell us at the budget versus at the regular price point. Yeah, and it's and it's a good thing to ask. I mean, uh, it um, it can be useful for both sides. I mean, if they don't have the budget for your services, we don't need to talk more about it. You know, yeah. we don't need to get into detail to get even to the offer if they don't have like the minimal budget for your services. Yeah, I, I think we need to balance that with like explaining the value, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I might not have a thousand dollar budget, but if you actually show me the value that I'm going to get or, or that the possibilities of getting a two thousand, three thousand dollar return, then I, I might actually consider how can I get the budget right now? Like if I really believe in it or still, if in the future I do have the budget, I still want to leave a good impression on that person, right? Um, sometimes a lower offer can also work. For example, for me, there's people that don't have the, like the, the don't for you service that doesn't work for them, right? A thousand, two thousand dollars a month is not going to work for them. So maybe like a consulting call can help, right? Um, I've done consulting calls for like uh, uh, quite cheap for the, for the value they're getting, 150 bucks, 200 bucks an hour. Um, and you get the information, you have to apply yourself, but, but you get information. So, so it's still good to build that relationship, even if they don't have the budget, I think. Because uh, you never know, right? Like they might know somebody or... So I, I still want to present it, even if they don't have the budget but uh, just to not burn a bridge. Uh, I, I see Bratislav asks, if it's a good idea to compare your practicing to your competitors. It's a good question. Um, for us, we just don't have that many competitors because we, we really need down to something very specific. So it's hard for me to even come up with somebody that does what we do. There's a couple people that do similar stuff. Um, I don't even know what their pricing is. Um, I'm guessing if you work in a SaaS company, which I'm think, I think Bratislav is what you were doing, mm -hmm. you feel free to jump in, by the way. Um, th then the pricing is more public. I, I don't think, I mean, it depends, right? If, if you're going for a lower pricing strategy, like you want to be the cheapest competitor, then yes. Right? If that's your value prop, that you're the cheapest and you provide the same service or a similar quality service, um, then yeah. The, that's your strength. If you don't want to be the cheapest, I'd say comparing pricing is not a good idea because then it's a race to the bottom. I always remember here the, I mean, I agree with you on, on everything. It's also, I'm also going in the direction that nobody here in this area is going. Right. Uh, and I also agree for what you said about, uh, about possible things that, uh, that Bradford can do. Um, I always remember the example, there is a, 
uh, ironed or how do you call it flesh, flat sausage uh, in my hometown Pirot. It's okay. the, one of the, I think maybe the most famous, definitely the, the most expensive um, delicious in, in Serbia. Something that like president of the country is uh, giving away to, to somebody else. Right. Some other representatives of the countries. Uh, and there are a few things about it. First one is um, it's unique. Yeah. Because basically people are using like the plastic bottle to iron the, the sausage every few days and then it stands on the wind and just gets into the, the, the shape that it uh, yeah. that it's final shape. Uh, the second one is uh, the only one because there's no competition over there. Uh, nobody is doing anything similar. Maybe uh, by by like have similar meat or something. It's like three or four kinds of meat inside. No, nothing else. Just meat and uh, and like some some other spices. And uh, the third one is like being the being the first. Right. And uh, when I take a look at that, those three. Um, what would you say? What is the one thing that you that you wanna wanna drop off out of those three things? So it was being the first, being uh, being the first, being unique, and being uh, and having no competition, basically. So, so which one do I want, or which one do I not care about? Which one do you not care about? I probably don't care about being first, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's it because. Uh, it doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, but um, let's take a look at the from the other perspective. If uh, you are the only one, and you are promoting it as the only one, uh, it means that somebody might try to do something else. They might succeed. They might not. Uh, if you wanna go with uh, with being uh like the best that's not something that you want to go with i would uh drop off that part because i mean tomorrow somebody else might create something that's better than than your product but being the first remains always here right you know you are the first one and that's it there's no uh changing changing it right yeah uh I, I think it's interesting, uh, but yeah, comp comparing pricing is is a challenge. I think it, it's hard to win when your value proposition is to be the cheapest, or or to be like the like you know we know we all know the saying of like if you're not the cheapest, then be the most expensive one. Right? I I I do think there's some value there and some that we're pushing towards as well because there's no point in the higher your pricing the better quality of clients you get the the better that relationship is the more it shows that you know your value and that you're um, professional and you're capable of delivering results um, so so i think it, it depends of whether pricing is public or not if pricing is not public, I would not even mention them. 
Um, and if pricing is public, then it, it depends of like the angle that you guys are going after. Um, if they bring it up, it's a matter of showing like the value you're getting for the price money. So if they say they're 50 bucks cheaper or a hundred bucks cheaper, okay, but can they do X, Y, Z? Or um, is that difference in pricing gonna account for the rest? If it does, perfect, go for them. But if it doesn't, then, then um, I think we're still a good option. Yeah, it's just too many things that you need, uh, too many variables you need to take into considerations. Uh, even if you are uh, giving them like the actual value with with the trials or with with demo, um, I mean you still have to uh, use the comparison. By the way, that's that's the great strategy to like use the comparison to other uh, companies in your niche, like yeah. uh, for the SEO and also for like. Uh, getting people to really decide when I when they are in deciding mode like which one should they choose like seeing one next to each other and what are the the benefits of using this one what are the benefits of using this one and really seeing what are the what which of those benefits you want to uh, to go all in on and which ones are not that important to you I mean that that uh, that can uh, be important for the price also right but, but that goes further than just comparing the price yeah I, I think just comparing the price is usually not a good strategy uh, comparing more things like you said on a comparison page or site um, I think that that's a good relevant strategy as long as you're I, I've seen a few examples of this done well um, I think drift has a good comparison page uh, there's a few companies that have it and and like you said for SEO it's it's really effective because you're looking for drift versus um, a competitor and you go to drift website that that's a big W for for drift yeah that's a, there's a larger story behind it I mean drift drift actually uh, invented the category right and they decided to go on on something else and they have like the, the main competitor, which is, uh, which they are like going after, I mean, basically they're going one after, after another. Yeah, yeah. And, but uh, anyway, I think we, we talked a lot about some things that we haven't done yeah. before. Uh, and the second thing I wanted uh, us to chat about uh, is something that I'm noticing that there's too much content everywhere in the span in the space like content marketing is everywhere and uh, on the other hand when I when I talk to company owners and I see what's going on I see that um, buyers journey sales cycles are not going shorter because of that content they are actually becoming longer hmm. and people are spending more time into researching the 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 buying uh researching the product services uh what do you think about it uh on the side that there's a lot of content uh let me let me just say it a lot of mediocre content right that, that's where i was going um 
content and social media has no barriers of entry. Uh, like everybody can write a blog post, everybody can put a LinkedIn post, a tweet. Um, so, so when there's no barriers of entry, there, there's usually a lot of it, but a lot of it is mediocre, right? Um, so I, I, I think this happens everywhere. For, uh, when dropshipping was the, the new business model that everybody wanted to get into, it was so uh, popular because it had no barriers of entry. So it, mm. you could start with zero dollars, right? You can write a tweet or an article or blog post with zero dollars. Um, now, every, like we saw in dropshipping drop as well, most of the companies fail, right? Um, so no barriers of entry allow for a lot of competition on the mediocre level. But once you jump a little bit to, the, to uh, a higher quality type of content, you're getting 90% or 95% out of the way. So all these companies that are writing shitty blog posts, outsourcing to like Philippine companies for 10 bucks, a thousand words, all these companies that their LinkedIn is just a billboard of links. Like, yes, that's content, but it's so shit that it doesn't really matter. Right, so I don't even count that as content really. It just think companies thinking that they have to put something out, not believing in the strategy, but having heard somebody say that content is important in putting out. Uh, so yeah. as long as you go one level up, you're eliminating the yeah. vast, vast majority of content creators, at least in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I mean, somehow it's, a lot of companies don't think about the buyers when I when they are creating the content. Right. They think about uh, companies' buyer journey, like how they see it, not how the it is actually happening. Not thinking about buyers' buyers journey, right? So uh, and somehow, I think people don't ask uh, important questions about the content, like. Uh, is it actually simplifying the, the buying decisions? Um, is it shortening the, the buying process? Is it making, making it easier for the buyers to actually buy? Right. And uh, by not doing that, then we have like more information. We have people asking more questions and then it prolongs the, the purchase decision, right? So somehow uh, it, it makes it difficult for people to actually decide to, to buy something. And I think there's, uh, it seems to be like the disconnect between actually creating the content and enabling buyers to buy. Yeah, I, I think the content has to be really bad for it to make the sales process longer. Right? Like I, I've never seen content that makes the process longer. I, I, I'm sure there is. I think there's content that eliminates the process. So if a content piece is so bad that I'm like, I'm not buying from them, then it, it's not prolonging it, it's just cutting it out of the way. Um, but but I, I guess I understand what you mean by like com, uh, buyers asking more questions versus moving down the funnel. Uh, I think a big problem with that, and, and my company has 
um, is not not the reason, but like we don't help it. Is that a lot of companies focus on top of the funnel content uh, awareness based, right? For SEO, LinkedIn, Twitter, it, most of it is top of the funnel. And they're not investing in like having some good, valuable, middle and bottom of the final content pieces that will actually uh, move people mm -hmm. down towards making a decision. Um, so I don't know what the ratio is, but there has to be a ratio of for X number of top of the final pieces that I create, I'm going to create one case study or I'm going to ask for one testimonial or I'm going to put out a webinar or something like that. Um, and a lot of companies are forgetting that, right? So, so, so you do need top of the bottom of, you need top of the funnel for sure, but don't forget about the middle and bottom because that's what also is going to drive uh, conversion rates and, and sales cycle length. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, uh, I feel like people are just... Uh, using trying to do what other people are doing who are also not doing not doing great when it comes to content and by doing that they are just creating more questions instead of solving problems right that have that's something that I, that i'm seeing who knows maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong uh but it just looks like uh there something like that is happening and that we need to go more to the to the customers, to the buyers, and really like get to know them. That yeah. seems to be the, the biggest problem and it's the, the most easy one to solve. Yeah, that's a good point. I think something that I've been thinking a lot this week, we, we actually kind of briefed on it last week uh, on the episodes when you mentioned, I think I talked to you on Twitter about uh, what you're sharing in comparison to what the client, the, the market needs you to share, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm, I'm gonna, as I speak, I'm gonna try to find it, the graph on Twitter that I talked you on, because I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned it yesterday, last week, right? About thinking, um, trying to go back to the basics and, and sharing content that while for you and I might seem obvious, it's what the market needs you to, here it needs to hear from you right so um i, I realized that a lot of our content i, I don't want to say it's too advanced but it's too forward like it's more for marketers than for b2b ceos right and i was talking with my team about it that we probably need to change that because um it, we're just not speaking to the right people at this time Mm -hmm. You know what's happening to me? Like the, the market is starting to call uh, and to, uh, they want to hire us to do demand generation for them. They are doing other things when it comes to marketing and then wants to outsource it to us. Right. So it, it seems like, uh, like marketers or salespeople are also the, the good target group for us, even though I didn't see it uh, at first. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, for, for you, that, that might make a lot of sense, but we're not so much into mm -hmm. the demand generation per se, right? Like we're not doing paid ads. We're not doing um, all, all that stuff. It, it just, it was a real realization of like, 
this is not the content that a B2B CEO needs to see. It's the content that they should see, but it's not the one that they need it right now. Um, I have the graphic here. I'm going to share the screen. Mm -hmm. It's here um, on the left. Oh, of like, here's what the B2B CEO knows. I'm, I'm sharing here about demand gen and um, like how to utilize marketing and, and all that stuff versus sharing here, which is like the basics of personal branding and B2B content marketing and why it's important and how can a B2B CEO save time and still do it and why this is something that has to come from leadership to the bottom. Um, and it was a realization between what you talked last time and seeing the graph, this kind of visualized for me and it made it click that we're not doing the right type of stuff and we could see even better results if we just moved it a little bit down to, to what they need versus what I want to share. Yeah, basically that shift that I have done, it still goes. Like I went into one direction and I keep, keep like um, going at it and it, it grows. Uh, I mean, it didn't stop at that time that we talked. Yeah. It just keeps, keeps going up and um, like engagement is following that uh, oppor new opportunities are following that. I mean, I'm speaking, uh, recording few podcasts, going uh, on a huge conference with like all the the big shots. Like uh, when we, we were talking about Chris Walker, about Amy Wallace, about those kind of things, mm -hmm. I'm like invited to be a speaker with with all those guys, right? So it. It also has also some other things that are following when you are talking the right language for your, for your audience. One thing that I think is also important maybe for you when you're talking to the, to the CEOs is that a lot of them, uh, at least the younger ones now, uh, are coming from the, from the development background, from engineering background. And uh, I've been seeing that when I was talking with a uh, few friends of mine who are working at uh, Tuchle and other IT companies who from like Switzerland, Germany, who have departments here in Serbia. And like they are doing um, employer branding, most of them that I talk with them, but they, they needed to explain why, why it matters, why do they need actually that department, why do they need uh, CEO to be active and then to activate all the other people from the company and they needed to go on their level and explain it from the uh, engineers perspective right right yeah. Going totally in some other territory yeah that, that, that's a good point um, I, I think our issue there is that we have not specialized in a vertical yet uh, and that's something that we will probably have to do eventually our best clients are CEOs of agencies, ideally marketing. Because one, um, you know marketing. Very, it's very, they know marketing, that's, that's first, right? And two, like they are me, right? Like they, it's very easy to create marketing for people who are just like you, right? Like the 
what works for you will work for them. What won't work for you won't work for them. It, it makes the content creation very simple. Um, and then the conversation and the report is also very simple. Um, the problem with those people is that they usually have a team inside that creates content. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not always, but, but a lot of agencies, marketing agencies do. So, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we're still testing different markets. I think we're very young as a company. Like, I, I don't expect us to be very successful until two or three ah, more years. Time. We all have time. Yeah, so so we're we're now tasting markets. Um, something that we've found successful is fintech, for example. And we never thought that was going to be one thing. But we, we're working with a fourteen five hundred. We're working with another, with a few CPAs and financial people. Um, like who knows, right? That, that might be the the thing that makes it click. Uh, but for now, we're just trying to one stack up on cash as a company and to develop see what, the skills. See what doesn't. I guess develop the skills of the skill set of the people to just deliver yeah. more value to that. Yeah, yeah. And systematizing things, systemizing things. Um, and, and like I said, st stacking up on cash so that we can, whenever we're ready to take the next step, we are. Right? Like whenever I can go to America, whenever we can do that, we have, um, a cushion that, that kind of keeps us afloat when, when we're restructuring things. Because at one point we're gonna to have to restructure a few things. Sounds good. Sounds good, like the good basics. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes to be honest. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been mentally a bit tough last couple of weeks, but, but, but it, it's good to, to chat with you, man. Because I get, when I, when I talk to other like CEOs and agency owners and people, uh, it, it re-energizes a little bit the the energy. I like the even from a competition standpoint, it's like all right, you like don't don't fall behind, don't fall behind. Yeah, you know what? What I uh, started to do recently, um, people started to reach out to me like, let's have a virtual coffee, let's get to know each other, mm -hmm. those kind of things. And saying yes, okay, I can always give like half an hour. For that, just to get to know people, they might know somebody else, somebody would recommend me, you know, they need yeah. to see that I'm a nice guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what I'm doing, I'm asking them, can we record that? Because uh, usually those are people that I'm seeing on LinkedIn posting, right. sharing uh, some meaningful things, uh, valuable, and I know that they can uh, give me great perspective and great insights. So I started to record uh, those like virtual coffees and I'm gonna yeah. use it also for my content and I'm gonna like use it also to, to give them to create more content, right? And then I'm spreading basically the community and giving giving value out of uh, like virtual coffee. I, I like that, yeah. Honestly, you could just turn it into a podcast, right? Like it, it's kind of the same thing as what I do on the podcast um, on our end, just um, record it, you know, make some content out of it. We even send some content to them because like the people that I invite to the podcast, it's people that I'd like to have as clients usually. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want them to see it. It's like, for us, it's like, you know, when you go to a supermarket or back in the day 
and they would have like a plate of cheese that you could like get a sample for free. That's kind of like how our podcast works. Mm-hmm. We get you some content for free. That way you see it, you taste it. Um, and, and you yeah. can... I mean, I have some ideas for the Funny Funky Marketing Podcast. Uh, I'm yeah. probably going to start recording next week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see where it, where it takes us. Basically, I want to have people who are uh, not familiar to the wider audience and who right. are doing great things for the, for the good companies and for the good people. So I want to give them like the voice. Yeah, it's been fun. For, for me, it's probably been one of the best decisions that I've made as the CEO to do the podcast, um, especially from a networking side of things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it was uh, interesting because I was waiting uh, to start this. And then like last week, we finally got Spotify in Serbia. We didn't hear it. Really? Yeah. And like, okay, my podcast is already over there. Let's start getting some episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was crazy for me to see the, my podcast on Spotify. Like, it, it, it's just not a place where you would imagine that you would see yourself. I'm thinking that it's there. It just, it was fun because I'm. I'm what a what are you using for for distribution? I'm right now on Anchor, yeah. and I'm thinking about going, continue going in that direction. I mean, Anchor is uh, distributing it everywhere. Yeah, I've had no problems with Anchor. Uh, it, it takes a few extra days to distribute on Apple Music or Apple mm-hmm. Podcast. Yeah, uh, but Anchor is great. To be honest, it just. Um, all I would say is like make sure you keep them saved, the the episodes, because if you if they delete, if they get deleted on Anchor, they don't have any way to back them up, so they don't have a backup. Um, and that happened to us with one of the clients. We had like um, I, I I don't know what happened, but some somebody like logged in and and deleted stuff, and, and there's no backup in Anchor. We we had them, but um, it, it's something to keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, Anchor's great. I think as a, another quick tip, if you're starting the podcast, it's important to know or to have a system for like the follow-up, just like to keep building that relationship. So mm-hmm. for us, it's re- send the invite, schedule, 48 hours before we send the questions, episode, next day we say thank you. Then next, the week after, we say the podcast is live and we send them an email. Uh, and then a month after, we usually send them uh, an email asking if we can meet with no cameras and, and just have a conversation to like um, further the relationship and get to know each other a bit more. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a process where, because otherwise you'll do the podcast, record it, and then kind of forget about the guest and, and you're not building that anonymous relationship there. Um, so, so, so something to think about. I think that's that. Can yeah. Work. Also, one thing that uh, I think it would be interesting for you. I just saw it, and I talked to a few people who are actually doing it. Mm, right now, I'm. I will be the guest on a podcast, a US-based podcast, and uh, they are doing like the pre-interviews. And I think oh, I saw more, it. more and more people are doing it, like 15 minutes, and they get to see, you know, who I am they get to find some interesting stories and get to get more into details on, 
on some things that uh, that they wouldn't even think about when they look at uh, at my profile. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what, where I stand on the 15 minutes. I, I think ideally, in a perfect world, you do the 15 minute pre-interview. In a real world, you're gonna lose some people there, because like. If, if you're interviewing a CEO of, of an $80 million company, like just be thankful for the 30 minutes. Like don't ask for 15 minutes one day and 30 minutes another day. Um, so I, I think for some, in some cases, sure, having a 15 minute interview is great before uh, and it'd be ideal. But in reality, it's probably, it's probably hard to, to do that because it, it doesn't really, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the good point. Yeah, I, I would not join a podcast if they talk. I mean, I probably would, but big people probably wouldn't. Yeah, I think this one where now when I have like the good audio, this will be our first episode that that we can put somewhere when we have audio, right? Yeah, my, mine is supposed to be getting here this weekend. I, I got two microphones, so I have this um, camera uh, that I got for when I was supposed to go to America, but, and I was going to start a vlog in, in New York, because I thought I'm going to New York, it's going to be fun, let's start a vlog. And I got a, a mic that goes here, so <laughs> for blogging, and then a mic like you have uh, for like the podcast. I have this one, but it broke, and I think it fell to the floor and it broke. So it's supposed to get here this week and probably next uh, Thursday or Wednesday will We'll have a two-way good audio. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's wait for it and just put things on another perspective. Yeah, then I'm happy that we are finding topics to talk about each each Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's easy to find topics. Yeah, like between you and I, with with other people, it'd be harder. But like, there's always um, there's always something to talk about, even if it's just LinkedIn posts from other people that we can either two cents on top like this. 15-minute uh, pre-interview call or even what's happening during the week, I think it's good content. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, brother. Okay. I think um, it's the time to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate seeing you. Uh, always great talking to you. And I'll see you next Wednesday, 6 p.m., 12 p.m. Eastern. See you, man. Have, uh, have some rest. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. Awesome, man. Take care. Bye-bye, brother.